Hello, and welcome to the Enlightened Awakening Podcast. A place of honest and authentic conversations. I'm your host, Timmy. And my name's Uriel. All right, and so today, as promised last week, we are going to explore more of this idea of books that shift paradigms. And we've got a book today that we're excited to talk about that I actually read quite some time ago, and it actually really started shifting a lot of my viewpoints back before I actually started my self-development journey. And that book is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. For anybody who doesn't know, this book was actually not intended to be a book that was published. It was actually Marcus Aurelius's private journal that was found by people within the Roman Empire, I don't know exactly how many years after. However, people saw that there was so much value and wisdom that was in there, and they decided they actually wanted to publish it as a book. And so today, we're going to be going through a couple different ideas that we encountered in this book that helped us shift the way that we view things and shift the way that we live our lives. And so, Uriel, I want to start off by asking you, as you were going through and reading this book, seeing as it's structured a little bit differently than the typical self-help book, what are some of the things that stuck out to you on your initial reading? Yeah, I think that initially when I started reading the book, the first thing that I caught is it really comes across as more of a journaling experience of the author as opposed to your normal books, your generic books, that's the word I'm looking for, that you often read in regards to self-help, which was a little bit of a refreshing take because I found that it would help you sort of slow yourself down and to think about what it is that the author himself was trying to explain to you. And it also captivates the message that he is sending. So it was really interesting to see that experience. Mm -hmm. For myself, it was notable how Marcus Aurelius was very distinctly talking to himself and himself only. He wasn't trying to provide advice or guidance to anyone. And so that was one of the first things that caught my eye because typically when you have some knowledge or wisdom that is as valuable as the knowledge and wisdom that's contained in meditations, you would think that somebody would be very proactive about wanting to get that out there, but not so for Marcus Aurelius. And so I like how he is talking to himself throughout this book. And that's something I've actually adopted in my own life when it comes to journaling. When I do journal, I write as if I am talking to myself so that when I go back and read it, it's me giving guidance to myself on the things that I know I need to grow and improve on. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately the work that we all need to individually do. Mm -hmm. I think myself, I often catch myself getting caught up in what other people are doing as opposed to focusing on what it is that I need to be doing for myself. And the challenge is that you often are not being mindful of the things that are creating chaos in your own life which this book does a really good job of incorporating the thought process of the author in Marcus Aurelius and how he overcomes the challenges, which I think is something that really should resonate with, with everyone. And it certainly resonated with me on putting a lot more emphasis in what it is that I do that can make my life better. And stoicism really encapsulates that about how we need to focus on what's in our control as opposed to what is out of our control. Mm -hmm. For me, that was the first big theme that started shifting my paradigm, this idea of how it is that we are to approach things that are outside of our control. I like how Marcus Aurelius talks a lot about the nature of things and allowing nature to take its course. One of the first, in fact, actually, this was the very first Marcus Aurelius quote that I ever encountered when a friend of mine introduced this book to me. And that is, 
Vex not thy spirit at the course of things. They heed not thy vexation. And for me, it was a very simple and succinct way to say, there's no point in getting upset when things don't go your way, which unfortunately I have to be very honest is an area that I have been quite weak in all my life. And it is something I am continuing to struggle with till today. And so that idea of not being vexed at the course of things because they simply don't heed your vexation, they don't care whether or not you're unhappy with how things turned out, was monumental. Because when you remove that as a possible reaction to something that happens that's outside of your control, it very quickly puts that agency back in your lap. It shifts that locus of control from things that you can't do anything about to things that you can immediately start acting on. And there's a lot of power in that. Yeah, that actually brings me to my first real lesson that I think I learned from this book, and it's about premeditation malorum, which basically means premeditation of adversity. And I think there's a lot of applicability, certainly. It's something that I try to apply in my life. And it's about basically thinking of the worst case scenario in your head and allowing your body to experience the emotional turmoil that may come with that as a way to perseverate through these adversities that are inevitably going to come. And specifically for myself, I think about interpersonal relationships, which is sort of the way that the book also talked about it, where Marcus Aurelius acknowledged the fact that he had a lot of conflicts with senators and other people, and he understood that there was going to be conflict. And by being able to prepare himself for that, inevitably, it allowed him the opportunity to be better prepared for this adversity as it come. And it helped keep control of his ability to emotionally regulate during these difficult times. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really highlights why it is so important to be judicious when we have that moment of wanting to react. What you talked about just now is a very powerful strategy that I am going to apply more in my life going forward, just because Oftentimes when I find myself reacting in a suboptimal way, it is because I haven't taken that time to think ahead of time. If this outcome were to present itself, how would I handle that? How would I emotionally react to that? And how am I going to ensure that that emotional reaction doesn't lead me to act in a way that is contrary to my values? And so I appreciate you bringing that up because that's one of the things that for one reason or another, I didn't actually note down in my own notes when I was going through that book, because it's a critical lesson that I think is going to be very helpful to me, especially with things that I've been navigating through life currently. And something that I really took away from not just this book, but generally Stoics, they are very well emotionally trained individuals that have found a lot of comfort in knowing and accepting that they are emotional beings, but have strengthened themselves by understanding their emotions and identifying strategies to regulate their emotional response to the inevitable things that are out of their control, which I find really quite fascinating when it comes to stoicism, which brings me to my second point, which is stoic explaining. And it means to look at things for what they are and to take the emotional aspect of it out. So when you encounter adversity, you objectively look at what it is that is actually wrong and you take the subjectivity out of it, which is for most of it, really, it's our emotional response. That's something that I wish I'd learned a long time ago. It certainly is something I can benefit from and it's something that I need to continue to apply in my life. It's not easy. What I can say is 
that there's so much value in understanding and breaking it down almost in like a scientific way of like what is the objective data that makes this wrong because it also allows you to be mindful of what it is that is subjective to you so that you understand hey this is what i'm bringing that is creating further issues with any given problem and this is what i can take away that is in my control and these are the things that i cannot control therefore i'm really making a mindful and cognitive effort to focus on what's objectively happening to find a solution which inevitably will instill feelings of gratitude and you'll feel a lot more empowered in knowing that you have a certain degree of capabilities to solve issues in your life mm-hmm. that ability to understand that you have more influence in your own life and in the outcomes that you see around you by way of your own actions is a powerful realization. What you shared just now also reminded me of one of the things that Marcus talked about in terms of perception. And I've heard it said that the vast majority of suffering that we go through in our lives, and I've also heard it said that all the suffering we go through in our lives is actually a result of our own minds. It's a result of our perspective of the way that we interpret the situations around us. Two people can be exposed to the exact same situation and have entirely different assessments of whether it's good or bad. And I like what Aurelius talked about when he said, you take things you don't control and define them as good or bad. And so, of course, the bad things happen, or when good things don't, you blame the gods and feel hatred for the people responsible, or those you decide to make responsible. Much of our bad behavior stems from trying to apply those criteria. If we limited good and bad to our own actions, we'd have no real reason to challenge God or to treat other people as enemies. That's powerful for me because the way that my mind works, and I think there's other people who can relate to this as well, but the way my mind works, it wants to very quickly jump to conclusions and to put things in boxes. The mind, I would say the untrained mind does not deal well with uncertainty mm-hmm. and In my own life, I've seen that shades of gray is something that I need to spend more time trying to see as opposed to looking at things black and white. It's been a continuous struggle for me, but I will say that the Stoic philosophies, particularly the way that Aurelius presented them in his journal, has been instrumental in moving me closer along that way. I think I still have a very long way to go, but I do believe I've made progress. That's such a cool takeaway because I think a lot of us really struggle with that. And we want to almost assign meaning to everything that happens in life. Mm-hmm. And it's hard living in uncertainty. It's hard not knowing. It's hard not having control. I think about it in my life. And a lot of it, you get a routine down. You have control of the things that you eat. You control what it is that you like to do. And I think about that heart-wrenching feeling when you're about to do something that's new, that you're uncomfortable with. And that fear just kind of kicks in because you're so afraid of failing. And that's certainly a feeling that I experience. It's like, it's anxiety, right? It's anxiety inducing. And I find that that feeling can either destroy you or it can be an indicator of growth, which brings me to my third point that I learned about the book about stoic reframing which is essentially about demonstrating virtue. And the way that Marcus Aurelius has defined it is about explaining 
character traits of other people that he admired. He identified justice, truth, temperance, and fortitude as the four characteristics of people that he admired that were virtuous to him. And I think about situations where I feel a lot of adversity and instinctively I want to react in a certain type of way. I need to reframe myself to show virtue to others. And I can think of all of the times where I feel I was wronged by somebody. And my reaction right away is a negative reaction because I'm trying to demonstrate my feelings of hurt and the pain that I'm feeling inside. And I don't remember exactly the names, but Marcus Aurelius in the book, it talks about somebody who was betraying him, then he was in jail and he chose to pity him and not give him the death sentence. And that was, again, showing a virtue of other people that he really valued and felt he could improve on. Now, this is an incredibly challenging thing to do. It isn't easy. I personally think that there's a lot of value, though, in knowing that nobody's life is perfect, but identifying that we are a problem in every you know, adversity that we face and all the challenges that we face in our lives. There's always something that we're contributing to it and identifying how we would like that to be and knowing that there is something we can do to change it can really empower people. And I know that's something that's empowered me individually. I am not perfect at it, but certainly it's something that I've continued to work on because I'm a very emotional being like the next person. I can definitely second that. And another idea that stood out to me as I was going through the reading of this book is the importance of disciplining your mind, Mm -hmm. especially if you want to live virtuously like you were talking about. When we react instead of responding, when I react instead of responding, let me say, oftentimes I will act in a way that is contrary to the highest ideals that I'm pursuing. And that's why I really like how Marcus Aurelius talks about not being jerked about by impulses and to ground yourself in an effort to shy away from reacting the way that you want to when something unpleasant happens, let's say, or when somebody acts in a way that is contrary to what you believe to be virtuous. And taking just a couple moments to pause before opening my mouth has made a huge difference. I often have seen how the way that I would have handled a situation had I reacted, I have opportunities often to see how that could have possibly gone. And I'm really grateful that I've been able to at least start moving closer. I'm very far from getting to a place where I would say I have it, but I would say that I've gotten closer towards my goal of actually taking that discipline and trying to apply it in other areas of my life. Because I find that when you're disciplined in one area, it has a cascading effect over all the other areas of your life. And the beauty of that is discipline of mind and discipline of thought will definitely impact every other area and domain of life. And so this was one of the things that as I was going through, I'm like, I really need to prioritize incorporating this into my day-to-day life some way, somehow. That um, brings me to the thought that at least I've heard about stoicism building people that are cold, unemotional, and almost robotic to a sense. I don't believe that to be true. Obviously, everybody's perceptions of the text can be vastly different, and interpretation will definitely differ from one person to the other. What I think is quite valuable is that the Stoics generally have been very empathetic people. They've not been perfect, and they should not be seen as what we should aspire to be Certainly, I think there's a lot of value in the things that they teach, 
and the level of empathy that they demonstrate in knowing that our emotions can be a double-edged sword. And by training our emotions, it doesn't necessarily mean for us to be unemotional, but it means to demonstrate, as you were speaking earlier, character traits that demonstrate virtue, which inevitably will have a positive impact on those around us and the world that we're trying to build for ourselves, which leads me to kind of the last bit of learning that I did from this book. And I think it can be generally applied about how we love ourselves so much. And there's a lot to show that now with social media. And we love to talk about everything that we do and our achievements because it makes us feel special. It makes us feel like our worth is increasing and that we're of value to the world. Yet we care so much about what other people say and think about us. And we oftentimes find ourselves doing things to get more people to show us that affection and not enough time showing us that affection. And that's something that I've struggled with significantly throughout the entirety of my life is knowing that almost like a balance. Because I don't think that a person can not care at all about what other people think. But certainly I think there's value in knowing that when you are doing the right things, for yourself, you will attract people that value those same things. And I feel like that's the catch-22 where we want to be in certain environments or actually perhaps not naturally made for those environments. We just need to sort of embrace and accept and love ourselves for who it is that we are. And we will inevitably attract people like that towards us. The last thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of ideas that shifted my paradigm that I was able to get from this book is this idea of momentum mori. I can't remember if Aurelius actually used that phrase in the book, but for anyone who isn't familiar with that phrase, it is a Latin phrase that translates roughly in English to remember you are mortal or remember that you will die. And the idea of that is not to have some morbid reminder hanging over your head, but rather it's an admonition to make the most of each and every day. Yeah. You never know when your last day is going to be. And for me, I remember when I first came across this idea, I was like, it was almost like this sense of despair where I was really thinking about, yeah, you know, I make these five and 10 and 20 year plans, but really I have no idea because I'm like the people who didn't live to see this morning all also probably had those types of plans, not realizing that was going to be there last night. Yeah. And so I struggled with this for some time, but as I continued to wrestle with the idea in my mind and to read more about what Aurelius says about the nature of things and not fighting against the way that things are going to go because they've been ordained since the beginning of time to happen that way. Yeah. I found that to be comforting for myself. And I then started thinking about, okay, how can I start working towards living my life in such a way that if today was my last day, I would be satisfied with how I spent that day? And the answer for me personally ended up being living each and every day in a way that is consistent with my values and to capitalize on the opportunities and the time that I am presented with. So what does that look like in a practical sense? For myself, I try to prioritize starting my day with a morning reflection. For me, with my faith, I'll start that with reading my Bible, usually a chapter of Proverbs. But then I pull out a journal I have that allows me to talk about my priorities for the day and also has a section where I can actually schedule what I'm going to do for that day. Yeah. And I found that reminding myself each and every morning that I need to make 
the best use of my time possible by writing that phrase, memento mori, has helped. I can also say that writing down follow through is king and having that as a reminder as I go back to my journal over the course of the day is also helpful for me. The only thing that's ever going to produce results is consistent action over a long period of time, but following through is the key to make that happen. And so I've really strived to improve in this area. I'd still say I have tons and tons to learn about actually making the best use of my time, but I am grateful that I can say that this idea of ensuring that we will be satisfied if today were our last day, it has helped for me. That's really deep and made my mind just go crazy, honestly, because I think if there's one thing specifically that I significantly struggle with my life currently is that very thing. I don't think I necessarily spend all of my time doing what it is that I want to do. And perhaps this also comes as a result of what was previously talked about, about doing things and caring about what others think, as opposed to doing what matters to you and taking care of yourself. And there has to be a balance with that. But ultimately, I think that myself and maybe others can agree is I subject myself to activities or responsibilities that don't necessarily resonate that well with me on an individualistic level that provide me with the satisfaction that I perhaps crave in life. And negatively, I think I validate these actions as a thought that I am being of service to others. Mm, yeah, And that's a gr- like a huge catch-22 because the way I was raised, it was always sort of in a household of servitude. We all help each other out and together, you know, we keep the boat afloat. That becomes very different when you surround yourself with people that don't necessarily think about life in that way. When you create a partnership with somebody or a friendship, you have to be very wary of who those people are and the perception and mindset that they approach in regards to your friendship or relationship. And I often catch myself going to what instinctively is natural to me, which is to be helpful. And that's so taxing on a you know physical and emotional and even spiritual level, because I find sometimes myself like months down the road and you're like, holy crap, like who the hell am I? Yeah. What have I been doing this whole time? <laughs> and I think is a thought of knowing that, hey, I'm young, you know, I've got a lot of time ahead of me. That's not true, right? Like, no, we don't have a set amount of time that we're going to have in this world. And it's really important for us to individually make sure that we're spending enough time on ourselves and finding that balance. It's not about being selfish, but it's also not about always being selfless. I think that finding that balance for me is going to be critical in living a fulfilling and satisfactory life. Yeah, man, that's, that's a huge piece of it. And I think that you summed it up so well when you talked about the impact that being in relationship with people who don't have a similar mindset when it comes to the giving and receiving that naturally needs to happen for a relationship to be healthy. And I think Aurelia summed it up really well with this idea that I wanted to end on, and that is that the only thing that isn't worthless is to live life truthfully and rightly, but to also be patient with those who don't. But I think that sometimes we are too patient with that. Agreed. Right. It's still a fine balance. And so I think that 
what he said in terms of this idea of living truthfully and rightfully, I think that that is a critical piece that we need to hold in mind as we also talk about being patient with those who don't live truthfully and rightly. Right. Don't allow your patience to lead you to compromise your values. I think that for myself, that is something I need to daily remind myself. But I think that the flip side is also as equally important for me, I would say actually probably more so that don't allow your impatience to lead you to live in a way that is not right. Yeah. And I think you just kind of bring him back to the four characters that Marcus Aurelius identified of justice, truth, temperance, and fortitude. Just in closing remarks to the things that you said, we can be just to others, but we also have to be just to ourselves. Amen. And the truth is the truth. And we have to accept it. And our emotions are indicative of that truth. And by controlling our emotions, we understand that there are things that we need to change. And that's where stoicism really plays a a key role in knowing that life will happen and we need to accept nature as it is. And that we have no control over certain things, but we have control about the things that we do and how we react to those situations. And if we're always being negatively impacted by a variety of things in our life, it is important for us to take action and mitigating the damage that they are creating. So the Stoics are super helpful and you know, we invite anybody that is interested to read up. Mm-hmm. I think that Meditations is a great entry point, one that you've recommended and talked about as well as the Little Book of Stoicism, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. So that would be another great recommendation for anyone who's interested in learning more about these ideas. And if you do actually go ahead and pick that book up, we'd love to hear from you guys actually even on Twitter. We recently ventured into that space. Our handle is Enlighten Awake. And we'd love to hear any thoughts that you had if you have read this book or if you've familiarized yourself with the idea of stoicism at all, to just hear about how you've been able to apply some of these ideas in a way that has led to superior outcomes in your own life. Yeah, please reach out. All we want to do is just create conversation. Thanks for joining for today's episode, guys. We look forward to continuing this series next week with a book that has also had a very significant impact on me in a very critical time in my life, which is Mindset by Carol Dweck. And so thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we look forward to having more of these conversations that hopefully will help shift paradigms. Thank you for listening.